Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Wishing all the best to Darren Dutitian, who announced on Twitter earlier today, I'm off Sports Center for a bit. I've been diagnosed with cancer. I'm getting some incredible treatment with some amazing doctors and can't wait to return. Dutitian, one of the all-time greats in television sportscasting in this country, and of course, spent seven early years in his career at ITV in Edmonton. Good old sports night from the late 80s to the mid-1990s. And then he flew off to TSN. So we wish Darren all the best. Also, happy 80th birthday to the former play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Rod Phillips. Happy 80th, Rod. Hope you're doing great. Tonight, the NFL gets going in about 12 minutes. Dallas at Tampa Bay. We'll keep you updated on that one. On the tube right now in my basement, Layla Fernandez, the young Canadian in the semifinals at the U.S. Open, taking on Arena Sabalenka. They are in a first-set tiebreaker. 4-3 lead for Fernandez, and uh, this match did not start well. She fell behind 3-love out of the gate, battled back, gets it into a tiebreaker, and now uh, leading the tiebreaker. Of course, it's the first one to 7, but you have to have a 2-point advantage to take the set. So already a tense one. We'll keep you posted there. Blue Jays taking on the Yankees tonight. Blue Jays with a 1-0 lead. That one is in the top of the fourth. Edmonton Elks continue to practice, getting ready for the Labor Day rematch. They can go for the home-and-home sweep, finally, against Calgary. 3.30 countdown to kickoff on Saturday. Game will start at 5. Some of the headlines tonight, as we have an abbreviated edition of Inside Sports, at 7 o'clock, we have live coverage of the federal leader's Banjo Jamboree. So make sure you stick around for that. My name is Reed Wilkins. We'll jump straight to the CertainTeed hotline, CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. We welcome back to the show a frequent contributor over the years who has landed himself a new gig with the Toronto Star. It is Chris Johnston on the line. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you, bud? I am doing very well. Thanks for checking in tonight. You got a new job. We've seen you obviously writing for Sportsnet for several years and on the television broadcasts. Uh, you, know, you, you and I first started uh, doing segments together. Where you, you were back with the Canadian press, so obviously the, the written word has always been and will remain a big part of your career. Tell me about this move here to the star. Yeah, it's a little bit of an unexpected turn in my career for me, but you know something I'm very, very excited about. Uh, joining the Toronto Star as the paper, you know, I grew up an hour outside Toronto Reed and, and was a paper on our breakfast table every morning and, you know, had a, a real big, powerful piece in uh, making me want to become a sports writer and, and to pursue hockey journalism, which has you know, obviously uh, given me a nice career and, 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 you know, been very good to my family. And so when the chance to come join them, they've got some pretty neat plans that will be rolled out here in the near future about uh, the way in which they, they intend to, to become quite profitable in, in this new media environment. You know, that, that opportunity was too good for me to pass by. And, you know, I'm still working on uh, where I'll be on TV uh, at this point in time. But I'll, I'll be writing at the Star, and I'll, I'll be somewhere on your tube uh, once uh, I get that all sorted out. 
Okay, well, there's uh, there's a little teaser from Chris Johnston tonight. He will be somewhere on your tube. Now, I assume this doesn't mean you're going to the cooking network. It's not going to be like dry, d- dives and drive-ins with Chris Johnston. It's still going to be hockey. <laughs> Yeah, it'll still be hockey. I don't, I don't. I'm not qualified to do anything else at this point in time. So, uh, it'll it'll still be hockey and still doing what I love, and you know, just just trying to iron all that out. It's been uh, it's been an unexpected summer, probably the best way to put it. You could do a running show about all the places you've run across Canada, but maybe maybe that's for later on in your career. That would be fun. Yeah, including about 30 days in Edmonton there last September during the NHL yeah, bubble. So right around this yeah. time of year, this this is when you were tearing through the River Valley, getting ready for the uh, the marathon you did earlier this year. Okay, well, all the best with uh, with with the new venture, but of course, it's still going to be your continued excellence uh, coverage, and of course, we'll still have you on these airways from time to time. So that is pretty cool. We are uh, we're we're kind of in that. Uh, odd time of year i i know for for me going through the cycle it's it's sort of like okay hockey's almost starting almost starting there's not a lot of news i mean i had ken Holland on a couple of days ago and still working on it with kyler yamamoto so we'll we'll see where that goes but i mean there have been some ex- significant nhl announcements uh let let's start with going back to the olympics and uh your view of how this is going to work the winter olympics in beijing with probably still some form of a pandemic going on. Uh, I know I, I, a couple of listeners have reached out to me and said, hey, Reed, like, I, I love the team, but I'm not watching games that start at 2 a.m. unless it's the gold medal game. Uh, how do you look at the NHL's commitment to Beijing? Well, you know, I actually think from a hockey standpoint, it, it holds tremendous promise. Just the, this blending of the new generation of players led by Connor McDavid, who, who you know, grew up watching best-on-best tournaments uh, at the Olympics and, and have dreamed of doing this. You know, still with some of the old guard, you know, and, and, you know, Sidney Crosby, of course, being in Team Canada. You know, I think because we've we've sort of been starved a bit, um, you know, the, the 2016 World Cup being the last time we, we had all the best players together, I think it would, you know, from just a purely entertainment and sporting standpoint would be amazing. You know, the one caution I, I would throw out there is that they, they've reached this agreement, but it still doesn't guarantee that they'll be there. And, and that the league and the players have until January 10th uh, it, in which they can withdraw from the Beijing Olympics uh, without any penalty. And so really it's, it's about how the, the first couple months of the season go, you know, the, the, the league would only do that if, if they were, they felt they were forced to, if, you know, we see a, a wave of cancellations and it creates too many schedule complications that can't be worked around because, you know, what the, what the season is really about for the league is, is, you know, trying to get business somewhere back to normal and, and it's about playing 1,300 plus games across the regular season with 32 teams now, and, and you know, obviously having more and more fans in the buildings. I'm sure in the U.S. we'll have many full buildings. I'm not not so confident we'll, we'll see that right out of the gate in Canada. But um, you know, most important to, to the NHL and, and and to the players. I don't sense that this is an issue that they're divided on. Is is finding a way to to, to do that safely, and so. You know, if we're able to have a, a good fall and then, you know, not have many players or, or have any outbreaks that force the games to be pushed aside, we'll, we'll get that Olympic tournament. And, you know, personally, I have to say I'm, I'm excited about the possibility of it, even with some strange start times. I think it uh, will be pretty compelling if, if they're able to get there. Well, see, but we in the media are used to working unusual hours. The uh, most normal people who are sports fans, you know, like their sports between about six at night and midnight, right? But uh, <laughs> they have to get up. A lot of them have to get up in the morning. But anyway, yeah, I'm I bet sure. too much normal during the pandemic. I'll take the weird well, hours again. Yeah, fair enough. That's a, that's an excellent point. What did you make of the uh, the, the protocols announced about? 
the uh, COVID-19 and, you know, clearly it's going to be vaccinated players are going to have a lot more flexibility and, and sort of uh, freedom to do things on road trips and go out and stuff like that. And, and we know that the NHL is, you know, probably 90 to 95% vaccinated. But when I had Ken Holland on the show the other night, I, I said, you know, how do you feel about the Oilers vaccination rate and how, um, the, the players' attitudes towards the protocol. He didn't give a vaccination rate. He, um, mm-hmm. You know, he 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 stressed uh, you know the personal choice for players. Um, I, and I wasn't sure where he was going to go with that. I wasn't sure if he was going to say, "Yeah, like we got to get everybody vaccinated," and the Oilers are are all in. He still kind of said, "You know, you got to respect the people that that aren't willing to get it." But what do you make of the the way the NHL sort of worded everything and and the restrictions or lack of them, depending on your status? Well, my view of the protocol is that every player is going to be forced to be vaccinated, more or less. I mean, unless you have some kind of health-related uh, issue that, that doesn't allow you to be vaccinated, which, you know, is a very small percentage of the population. I think fair to assume that would be a very small percentage of the NHL playing population. You know, I, I don't see much way around it. Um, you know, I, I can respect that people want to have a choice here, but, you know, my viewing of the way that these protocols were crafted is, you know, it would just be very, very difficult to be unvaccinated and, and play um, in the NHL this season. I mean, in fact, there's, there's some places you might not even be allowed to travel to uh, in which you're, you know, giving up, uh, you know, checks and, and, and if you're missing games, you're, you're not getting paid for those games. And so, you know, I think that we're going to see a vaccination rate over time among the NHL players get very, very close to 100%. You know, I was told this week it's it's somewhere around 92 or 93% at the present moment. They think it'll be close to, to 95% in a couple of weeks time when the camps formally open. And, and, you know, I do think that we're going to have virtually the entire league uh, vaccinated just because, you know, that that's the best way for them to travel around. It's the best way for them to operate safely. And, you know, it does offer uh, a return to some normalcy. Players are able to, to go on road trips again and, and have a dinner out with the, the, their teammates. And, you know, some of the things that I think have really been missing for, for NHL players, these last 18 months and so you know i I do think that the the, the amount of unvaccinated players you know a couple months from now is going to be very 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 small um and you know that's that's what we're seeing you know other companies and other workplaces are are making this mandatory i think the nhl is more or less making it mandatory by the way those those rules are structured yeah well and it's interesting you bring up the travel as well because i mean with the canadian football league right the, the if if you can't fly even within Canada in October, I mean, I had Randy Ambrosi on the show and he's like, well, is the player going to miss, you know, if his team makes the Grey Cup, he's not going to go or he's going to drive, you know, from, from wherever in the West to, to Hamilton in December to play the game. So, yeah, I think that's a good point for sure. Chris Johnston joining us tonight from the Toronto Star. By the way, uh, Layla won the first set in a tiebreaker. Like she looked down and out. The first uh, three three games of the set, and she's taken it. Uh, Sabalenka has won the first game of the second set to go up uh, one love here at the women's semifinal at the U.S. Open. We'll keep an eye on that one for sure. Hey, uh, what a story. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, incredible. Uh, and I mean, you know, we had Bianca a couple of years ago. And by the way, I watched uh, I watched the end of her match the other night and talk about gutting it out. I mean, she could hardly walk in between points. Um, and got eliminated. But now, like, I, I, I was a little late turning this match on, Chris. I, I turned it on, and it was already 2 nothing. And then and then Sabalenka won to make it 3-love, and you're thinking, okay, well, here's here's where the magic ends. Oh, not quite. She comes back and wins the set. It's not midnight yet. There's no Cinderella story still alive. I love it. All right. So, uh, Oilers stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll concentrate on one question here. Give me, give me your scouting report on Zach Hyman and how what you feel he's going to add 
or maybe not add to the Oilers, given what the expectations are? Well, he's going to add a tremendous amount. You know, I think from the Toronto end of things that he'll be missed probably more than people realize because he's one of those players that, that I don't think you can measure his contributions just in terms of goals and assists. And, you know, he has improved his, his scoring rates every season that he's been in the NHL. So there's no problem there. But, you know, he's a culture driver. Uh, he's a very hard worker, uh, lives his life the right way, and he's a great teammate. And, you know, he was incredibly popular during his time with the Maple Leafs. You know, the only reason they got to a point where, you know, he became an unrestricted free agent is, you know, because of the salary cap. I, I've got no doubt in my mind if this was a pre-salary cap world or a world where it was taken away that, that they would have found a way to keep him because he was so important to their program. Um, but, you know, difficult decisions need to be made in the cap world. And so, yes, if, if you're looking at the full eight years, I think there's, there's you know, reasonable questions about how that will age over time. You know, he, he has had some knee issues the last couple seasons. And so, you know, you always worry about any player's health as they get into their later 20s. But, you know, I, he's someone that, that takes care of himself. He's he's played basically his entire career on Austin Matthews' wing. Uh, I see no reason to think he, he won't, you know, succeed, whether he's with Drysaddle or McDavid in those roles. He's played big minutes. And, you know, I think it was a great signing for, for Edmonton. Uh, again, not someone who's maybe going to fill the highlight reel so much, but I think he does a lot of the things that hockey teams need for success. And, you know, that's why success has always followed him through his life. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, we always appreciate having you on the show. Uh, you're always so generous with your time and you bring great content and uh, lots to watch tonight. So I'll let you get back to uh, whatever your tube is going to be tuned to this evening, man. Thanks for checking in. I got Layla, I got the Jays, and I got the Cowboys. I'm a big Cowboys fan. So there's there's a lot going on, a lot of channel flipping in my house today. All right. Well, I'll forgive you for being a Cowboys fan. Talk to you soon, buddy. <laughs> okay. See you, Reed. <laughs> it's Chris Johnston now with the Toronto Star NHL insider and columnist and uh, always a great guest here on Inside Sports. Uh, two love now in the second set for Sabalenka against Fernandez, but the young Canadian did win the first set. It's 20 after six. It's Inside Sports on Chet. The NFL season is underway. Dallas kicking off to Tampa Bay. The most exciting play in sports. The touchback on the kickoff. Tom Brady now taking the first snap of the season. It's a handoff to Leonard Fournette, who's going to get about five yards on the play. Brady making his NFL record 300th regular season start. Who's going to start at quarterback for the Stampeders at Commonwealth on Saturday? Could be Bo Levi Mitchell, who continues to practice with the team. Elks head coach Jamie Elizondo on the prospect of facing BLM on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, even though Jake has done a good job, but, you know, I think it's your, your starting quarterback, you know, guy that's been there, done that. Um, you know, you've gone to war with him a little bit more than, than, than uh, Jake. And so I think there's an uplifting there. Um, and I think we got to be prepared for both scenarios, whether, you know, both starts or, you know, uh, Jake starts and Bill comes off the bench. And those are two different scenarios. And I think sometimes those things can get overlooked because it's a momentum change. You know, sometimes the momentum swings when you bring in a backup or you bring in a, your starter who's been, has been out for a few weeks. So I just think we have to handle, handle both of those guys in that situation um, mentally and emotionally. They both have different strengths and weaknesses, but we've got to be prepared for all those scenarios. And we've talked about that as a group. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And Randall Grichuk is just homered for the Blue Jays. They lead the Yankees 2-0 in the fifth. Trent Brown, former double-E safety, coming up after the news. This young Canadian, Leila Fernandez, now up 3-2 in the second set. U.S. Open semifinal after taking the first set 7-6. She's taking on the number two seed, Arena Sabalenka. We will keep you updated on that one. Just an incredible story that we've seen play out here over the last couple of weeks. About five and a half minutes into the game, no score. Cowboys and Buccaneers as the CFL season is underway. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 2-0 in uh, the top of the fifth at Yankee Stadium. Elks and Stampeders, Saturday, 3.30 face-off face show. I will be telling you about face-off show soon. It's the countdown to kickoff when it's football, Wilkins. It's a 3.30 countdown to kickoff, 5 o'clock for the actual kickoff, Calgary at Edmonton. And to talk more about the Labor League Classic and who knows what else, he is with James H. Brown, the title sponsor of this show, former safety for the double E football team, Trent Brown is checking in. Hey, Trent, how are you doing? Doing good, Reed. What's happening tonight? You having a good night? I'm having a very good night. It's, uh, well, I only got a one-hour show. At 7 o'clock, we got the Federal Leaders Cow Milking Contest, so that's going to be on the show. So I definitely have <laughs> enough I definitely have enough energy to do an hour, especially, uh, I mean, this is great with, I mean, I would have thought, uh, most nights like this, I'd be watching the, the first game of the uh, NFL season, but I got the tennis on, and, and Sabalenka just went to sit in her chair uh, during what you know the crossover in tennis, and just slammed her racket into the ground multiple times. I mean, you as a football player, you must have loved that if you saw an opponent show obvious frustration. Anytime you can get under somebody's skin, it's always a good deal. Uh, you want to keep your focus in the game. And what can you say about uh, tennis here in Canada? Uh, the women's tennis program is uh, it's off the hook. Last year, was it last year or the year before, they, we won the U.S. Open. This year, we have another young lady making a run. Congratulations uh, to Canadian tennis because, wow, what a show. Yeah, Bianca Andreescu, it was two years ago, 2019, she won, and now uh, Layla Fernandez. And like I said, she was down three love in the first set and looked overmatched and has, has completely turned it around. So, all right, but, and I, I, was, I wasn't going to ask you this, but I, like I said, I just saw Sabalenka, like she was just bashing her racket yeah. into the court as she was, as she was sitting down. So, uh, like in football, would you like would there be guys where it's like okay i think this guy's maybe a little <laughs> fragile i can get after him or or was it the guys that you thought were robots that you would be like i never see this guy smile or get mad i got to try to break him like which would, which would annoy you more or would fire you up more i guess 
Well, you know, it's weird because there's some guys you don't want to make them mad because they can channel their energy. And there's other guys that it works when you get under their skin. Uh, I can always remember uh, Doug Flutie. I don't know if you remember this back in the 93, the semi, uh, the semifinal before we went to the Grey Cup, minus 40. It was cold. His hands were cold. And I've never seen a guy so mad and he lost his composure got under his skin if you can do that and it can affect somebody's game it is always a good thing but you know uh it's it's uh there are a lot of guys that's what they get paid to do now in pro sports and in tennis i mean it's such a mental game if you can rattle somebody uh sports is a game uh, where momentum is such a big factor in sports that if you can rattle somebody uh, and you can get under their skin. Sometimes it works, but then you get guys that sometimes it goes against you, and it goes the other way. A guy gets mad. Michael Jordan was famous for that. If you right. got under his skin, he would make you pay. So, you know, it's sort of a catch-22 sometimes. You know, it can yeah, work I- sometimes, and then other times it uh, works against you. Yeah, you got to know your opponent. And uh, Rob Brown, who I work with in hockey, has, has often said that there were, so- there were some guys you, like, you wanted to leave them alone. Like, don't yeah. body check them. Don't talk to them. Don't don't uh, wake put... them up. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mark, so... Mark Messier comes to mind when uh, just let him sleep. Like, if he's just uh, not awake yet and he's coasting and he's doing loop, just leave him alone. Gordie Howe, Mark Messier, guys like that, don't make them mad because that's when they play their best. Did you ever have a teammate that you and you don't have to name names if you if you don't want to but did you ever have a teammate that that you had to calm down or you know maybe a younger guy that's showing frustration did you have to say like hey look man like you're you're feeding into them by showing that you're mad you got to calm down and seem like we're composed here yeah, well, you know, football is a unique game. It's such an emotional game uh, that you want guys to get emotional. But, yeah, there are some times when you got to grab a guy's face mask and look him in the eye and say, get it together, buddy, you know. Um, but there are other times, like, uh, typically in football, the defense is more emotional. You want guys yelling and jumping up and down and slamming their helmets. And the offense uh, is more composed. They are trying to execute, whereas defense, you're just flying around like maniacs, right? So, uh, and speaking of flying around like maniacs, I'm looking forward to the game on Saturday. Uh, the Elks, what a show uh, to go down to Calgary and win in that game. Uh, that's a tough game. I know when I played back in the 90s, I don't know if we won a Labor Day Classic down in Calgary. It's a tough place to play. The crowd is always right in the game, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the rematch on Saturday. It should be a good game, Reed. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and you should you should go into broadcasting or be on more often because that's a perfect segue where I was going to go anyway. Uh, did, were you already playing in 1990, or were you mostly a reserve that year? Because yeah. Edmonton didn't... Yeah, 1990 uh, was right when I was coming in, and I didn't play in that game. Um, but uh, 91 uh, would have been my first Labor Day Classic. Okay. And then I think 98 was my last. I uh, got hurt one year, and I didn't finish the game, and that was a drag. But we had uh, – we those were the years of Flutie, Pitts, and Sapunja. So sometimes it was a long day for us down there. You know, those guys had a great passing attack. And uh, – we had some injuries a few years in a row, and so it made for some long games, you know. Uh, uh, it is tough 
to play down there. It's uh, the fans are in the game, and uh, the stamps would always be just right geeked up for that game. And uh, some sometimes we would take them out when we came back home. I think most of the years we went one and one, but uh, yeah. it'll sure be nice to go two and old this year. We used to have the saying. Uh, one of the most important things was the ABC always beat Calgary. So anytime you <laughs> yeah. can beat the Stamps in uh, the Battle of Alberta, you know, so. Well, I, I've heard the ABC a lot over the years. You guys, during your tenor, you, you won in 1992. And then, yeah, it was six in a row for Calgary from 93 to 98. Though you often got them in the postseason. So as you referenced, 93 and 96 was another classic victory, I think, in cold weather in the playoffs as well. You, you, you obviously watched on Monday. As a defensive back, and, you know, a lot of the scuttle has been that you know that Calgary secondary is not up to what they they usually have. Uh, did you notice anything going? I know maybe on TV it's hard to see uh, everything, but clearly the Elks were able to connect on more long passes than they had been earlier in the season. They got guys to bump to buy on the the pump fake for the dagger touchdown to Jones at the end of the game. Is there anything specific you noticed there? Nothing specific, really, but you live and die by the sword, right? So if you blitz and you're in man-on-man coverage, sometimes you give up big plays, and I think that's that's what happened to the Stamps. Uh, we always had a philosophy that uh, never give up the big play. You want to make a team work for the yards they get, so you want them to nickel and dime it down, down the field. There's more chance of mistakes. But, uh, yeah, when you give up big plays like they did, it's, it's really tough to win the game. The secondary struggled it looked like lack of communicate communication a few times and some coverage breakdowns uh but you know they will rectify all of that stuff in uh, the film room we may see some different coverages this week i don't anticipate that uh, that those big plays will be open um and we'll probably have to but hopefully harris like harris looks like he is on his game he really settled in uh, um, did real good in the red zone and closed out some drives. I think this week they should look for uh, for the mid-range passes. I think that the Stamps will be uh, settling back, probably playing deeper zones. They won't want to give up the big plays. So I think the 15 to 25-yard passes should be open, the crossers uh, over the middle. And, uh, and hopefully we can capitalize on that and uh, get the big V. Yeah, so, some notes for people to watch for, for sure. And I, I talk a little bit about it a lot. You get to kind of attack that that mid-range pass and get chunks of yardage that way, for sure. Trent Brown joining us tonight. Uh, a play action, yeah. because, uh, because the running game is good. Wilder was running the ball, very effective running. So play action, get get the linebackers up, and then throw it in behind them in front of the deep guys. The 15 to 25, mark my words, that's going to be the key this week. Okay, yeah, I hope so because I yeah, and and I had uh, Marshall Ferguson on the show last week, and he said that's the most successful uh, passing range, yardage range for for offenses to, to attack defenses. It, so it's Monday, Saturday when you played. It was Monday, Friday. <laughs> Monday tell us Friday. about tell us about the physical recovery. Well, I have another yeah. question about the short week, but I'll, but I'll start about the the physical recovery may, or maybe lack of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's real. It's uh, it's the, the short turnaround week is is uh, tough. Uh, lots of guys are sort of getting banged up, and uh, 
what we would do is we wouldn't put the pads on all week. We would give the guys a chance to heal up, mostly mental reps throughout the course of the week. Lots of time in uh, the film room watching the plays that they ran. Lots of mental prep, and you just let your body rest. Um, you know, it's tough, but you get through it. One short week, it's not bad. The Eskimos got three games, I think, in 10 days later on in the year or less than that three and, and that seven. is the total yeah, three, three and three seven, seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so 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 anybody that's played football that knows football you know that that's crazy like that is not good hopefully the team can stay healthy hopefully guys won't get hurt but it's just not time to recover i think that you will see a lot of guys that won't play in all three of those games uh you know and if anybody gets a concussion then they're out for for three games right it it, it just makes it real tough Three games and seven in football, it's no, you can't do it. Yeah, well, I, I think their only other choice was forfeiting the game. So they're choosing to play it and, and get paid. But, yeah, obviously that's going to be a tough part of the schedule. Hopefully they they don't need to win all three to get into the playoffs or anything like that. So my other question about the short week, and you and you briefly touched on it, was is about game planning. Can you really come up with a lot of new wrinkles when you have such a short time to prepare what kind of things would get touched on during those three days between the home and home for you yeah just lots of sort of tweaks um what i think that you'll see is they'll have each team will have a few new wrinkles um they'll switch the game plan around a little bit you know the coaches will obviously make their their adjustments but that is the key right at this level the team that can make the best adjustments will win. So, uh, and that comes down to a lot of coaching and a lot of feedback from the players when they're in the film rooms. But the team that makes the adjustments this week, the team that can execute the new plays that they put in for the different coverages that 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 uh, that they'll be facing, will be the team that wins. And uh, hopefully, it'll be us. Uh, you know, it's uh, the home field makes a big. Uh, makes uh, it, it is a big advantage with the short week too right because you don't have to travel you can sleep at home in your own bed so uh so i'm saying the eskimos win by nine okay well, well you're coming up with tons of predictions here this is great okay so here's uh here's my other one it was kind of celebrated that final touchdown to mike jones that ellingson suggested the play or sort of drew it up or maybe modified yeah. an existing play it, we know that happens in football from a defensive um, side of things though you know you guys are allowed to move around before the play and and you get to react to the offensive formation would would players say okay no like we got to cover this or tell the defensive coordinator like look we, we this has to change and we got to change it now tell me about those in-game things that go on you got to move yeah so you got to make decisions on uh, the fly in uh we sort of brought that in back in the 90s when I played. All of our calls were read-it calls. So in the CFL, there's a lot of movement out on the field. If you've got three guys on one side and one receiver on the other side, you can't play the same coverage as if you've got two and two or four and one. So you always have to make adjustments when you're out there and you're on the fly. The most successful players and teams are the ones that can make those adjustments. So I'm just going to give you an example of some quarterbacks that are good at that. 
Peyton Manning, Doug Flutie was good at it. Tom Tom Brady is excellent. They audible right on the line of scrimmage. They look at the defense. Now, as a defense, you need a couple quarterbacks out there, too, that can do the same thing. Football isn't rocket science. When teams are in certain formations, uh, 80% of the times they will run one play. So no matter what you got called, if you know what's coming, you got to make those adjustments. And so you need to be vocal. You need to communicate it. And you need to have guys that are listening that can make those adjustments on the fly. That's the key. Yeah, and that's that's one of my favorite things about football is hearing all the stories the when the way you explain it and all the thinking that goes into those few seconds pre-snap and and of course play calling is important but all those little adjustments are just you know moving a yard in either direction sometimes before the snap can sometimes make a huge difference in a play. Trent, always love having you on. Uh, thanks again for James H. Brown for being the title sponsor of the show. We love having you on board. We love having you personally on to tell stories about football. We'll do this again soon, man. Thanks so much, Reed. You have a great night. Can't wait for Saturday. Cheers. Right on. That is Trent Brown. He is ready to go. You can hear the excitement in his voice. We're about, uh, well, we're a little less than 48 hours away from that game at Commonwealth Stadium. Okay, we will uh, update some pretty big events going on tonight and tell you what's going on uh, with the Oilers and Oil Kings here in the next couple of weeks. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Sign up for the podcast. Get a canned ham. Greatest deal in human history. C.D. Lamb with a touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys. Just over a minute and a half left in the first quarter. Extra point pending as we got a Tampa Bay player down on the field. So 7-6. Buccaneers lead the Cowboys late in the first quarter. Kickoff game in the NFL. Baseball tonight. Yankees have just gone deep. Two-run homer. Bottom of the sixth. It is uh, Toronto and the Yankees tied at two. The Oilers rookie camp will start on Wednesday and run for a week until Tuesday the 21st. They will play two games against the Flames rookies. They will be at Rogers Place on Saturday the 18th and in Calgary on Tuesday the 20th. The Oil Kings have uh, preseason games on the 11th and 24th, so right away on Saturday and then uh, again on Friday the 24th. Now, what's uh, happening here is there will not be tickets at for those games. There will not be fans uh at those games what's going to happen is oeg uh, and the staff who work the games are going to be getting training related to the updated venue protocols so uh you you know you probably are wondering if you can attend these games unfortunately you cannot there will be fans in attendance for oil kings regular season games and for oilers preseason and regular season games but not for the two uh, oilers rookie camp games and not for the oiler uh, oil kings preseason games coming up on the uh, 11th and 24th so just some notes there all right and uh we oh my goodness we got a new player for my uh my most uh, hated athletes Uh my mom uh well i guess zach hyman came off the list because he became an edmonton oiler right and my mom has my mom has added arena sabalenka to the list who is uh currently playing canadian layla fernandez in the u.s open semifinal my mom says that she is nasty (laughs) <laughs> uh, Sabalenka did Sabalenka did win the second set 6-4 uh, 
after Fernandez took the first set 7-6. So a third and decisive set for the young Canadian. That, that's, I'm going to watch that before I uh, get invested in the football. This is a pretty good match and ex- an exciting story for Will mm. as well. We only got an hour tonight. Uh, we are handing it over to the, uh, to the news, folks. We got the federal leaders blueberry pie bake-off coming up. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio operator. My name's Reed. Back to a full show tomorrow. Have a great evening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.